0: Well, I'm excited to teach tonight. We used to do a uh, Tuesday night men and women's Bible study or Tuesday night service at CCI Dallas for years. And I just loved it. It was a special time because it was in those Tuesday nights that we were just able to go deeper in the Word together and then just talk about it and wrestle with it and let one another share questions and insights with each other and just kind of go deeper in those discussion times. And I, it's my hope uh, that and prayer that... Uh, that that happens here amongst us uh, as we break up in smaller groups and stuff. Um, So I have broken this this narrative up with about ten different scenes there, and you can see it on the back. So there's two sides. One side is answering, there's five or six reasons or uh, applications to why. Why is Exodus important to us? Okay, that's on one side. It says Exodus there. Why is it important to us, Christians who live under the New Covenant? Uh, sometimes we tend to look down or neglect or minimize the old Covenant, old Covenant to a default. I understand that the the, the Bible emphasizes that the New Covenant we have is superior and greater, and, and we shouldn't go back and try to live the old kind of way and try to justify ourselves by the law or try to or offer up sacrifices like. Uh, animal sacrifices and so on but there, there are several reasons why this is applicable and I, I listed five or six here and so uh, first on one on that side I just want to point out that uh, the, the scripture tells us in 2nd Timothy that all scripture is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit by inspiration of God and it's profitable to us all of it Genesis to Revelation even Leviticus some of y'all may not even know much about Leviticus you're like what book is that even uh, songs of solomon all right all the married couples said amen. amen even the songs of solomon are profitable for us even revelation though you may not understand a whole lot about the book of revelation there are very important truths for us to, to grasp and even in uh, the book of exodus and the book of exodus continues the narrative of genesis it picks up where genesis left off at at the end of Genesis. We. Uh, through Joseph's life, we're, we're told how the Israelites got to Egypt, how they traveled there, and how the family of God that, who became the Israelites became the Israelites, uh, starting with Abraham. And so the, the word of God, the Exodus, is a part of it, and it equips us for every good work. So at some level, Exodus has something for you and I to be equipped for every good work with. For At some level, Exodus has something in it for you and I to be corrected by. And instructed by. How about the Ten Commandments? Huh? Those are like a mirror. You look in the mirror of God's Ten Commandments, and you, understanding the depth of what they truly mean, you'll be convicted uh, by those truths. So, we also have these uh, scriptures as a, as a reason for, um, for our instruction and that we might have hope. Romans fifteen four. These things were written so that you and I might have hope. Another reason why these are here, First Corinthians 10, uh, 1 through 14. And, and I, I want to encourage everybody, this is kind of further reading. Reading. Go and check this out. First Corinthians 10 tells us that these things were written. They took place for our examples. So the Israelites, they're grumbling, they're idolatry, they're immorality, they're testing Christ and, and God getting upset with them and, and, and how God dealt with them. These, these things are written down in the canon of scripture so that you and I have an example not to follow and to learn from. How many of y'all know we can learn from good examples and bad examples? Amen. The, the Israelites' responses is in many ways were bad examples that we should be warned of that we should we should guard our own hearts from falling into some of those temptations that they fell into after they were delivered from the red sea they're they're grumbling god why, why'd you bring us out here they're they were they were slaves for f- over 400 years and they're like longing for the good old days back in egypt you know and, and so the, these are written this is here for us to take note those of us who are delivered in christ jesus and we have salvation in christ jesus we've been forgiven. We have so much to be grateful for. We shouldn't go back and grumble like, like they did. Um, there's also faith for us to imitate. You look at Moses' life, and he made it to the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And there are several things about his faith that we should imitate that were good, that he did. And specifically, verse 25 of Hebrews 11, that, that Moses, he chose to um, to to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin, he considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth, than the, the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking for his reward and so on. Uh, so, so Moses' faith, an example. Uh, there's there's tremendous leadership when you look at Moses' life, the whole uh, Exodus narrative. You see uh, great leadership. You see a, a man of faith, and you also there's some failures there too, right? How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all did your your scripture reading? You don't have to raise your hand. You you read, you're following along in the Bible reading plan. Uh, If you did, then then you would have come across where Moses killed a guy. Moses was trying to be a deliverer in his own strength, leaning on his own understanding, and he killed a guy. It's kind of like, it reminds me of Peter, how Peter was going to try to help Jesus out, and he takes out the sword and he cuts a guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, this is not how we're going to do this. Okay, I have a better way. Okay, and it's not taking out the swords. God was going to fight for the Israelites. Amen. Uh, another reason why I think uh, Exodus is here for us is to teach us about God's great redemption story. So it's a continuation of God's great redemptive story, redemption story and to teach us who God is and his, his ways, his works, his character, and his conduct. As you read through Exodus, you and I get glimpses of the glory of who God is. He reveals himself as the Almighty, as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the great I Am. Uh, he is the one who hears, the one who sees, the one who speaks, the one who cares, the one who knows the situation that his people are in. And so we we see, in, in the book of Exodus, we see a God who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's what we see. Amen? So I I did this backwards. This was supposed to be at the end for application. But I wanted to start with this because, specifically, First Corinthians 10, because I want us to know that Exodus is applicable to us today. There is... Uh, so don't get discouraged as you, as you get bogged down in your reading uh, time going through the book of Exodus. This, there's good stuff in here, and it's profitable for you. It's helpful. There's examples for you to look out for, to not follow. There's examples to follow. There are, there's equipping and training for you. There are truths about God that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Amen? Okay, so with that said, let's jump into the narrative. Let's continue the narrative here. I love these. I'm like, I print these things up, and I started posting these on Facebook. I post these videos, and I'm just like, just like telling everybody about this stuff. This is, this is good material. I think this is. How many of y'all read comic books when you were younger? All right. How many of y'all still read comic books? You know, these are these are like comic books for adults, and the kids love them too. These are helpful for kids, and it's just, especially with the day that we're in, where we're so visually stimulated and, and trained and, and like we take in so much through images you know we watch tv and we, we're on our computers and we're on social media and we will just scroll at pictures of people of friends and family for hours and hours and hours you know we're so visually uh, images are huge in, in our culture and, and so th- these are helpful for for teaching helpful tools and i really appreciate how they break this down um so on your notes here we got 10 p's that i've come up with to kind of describe each little scene and section that I want to just kind of coast through here. Um, The first one is the promise, um, the promise of God that was being fulfilled in the book of Exodus. Remember Exodus 1, 7. It says that the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly, and they multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. Okay. God, from the very beginning, told humanity, be fruitful and multiply. That's a good thing. Okay, that's a good thing. Have babies, have big families. That's, that's a, that contributes to the plan of God. When you have a big family and you disciple them and you teach them in God's ways, God wants to spread his image throughout the whole earth. And so when you've got image reflectors that reflect him well, that are increasing and spreading, that's a good thing. It glorifies God. Amen? And so God told Abraham, he said, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. That, that that Abraham, who didn't have any children at all, was going to have lots of kids, lots of descendants. He was going to be a dad and a granddad and a great granddad. And he's going to be known as the father of faith, as the New Testament calls him. And so God is fulfilling his promise. So we have, in Exodus, Abraham's family that's grown. And they're known as the Hebrews, the Israelites. They've grown. They've multiplied. But they become a threat to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's afraid. Uh, check this out. In Genesis 15, this is important too, because back here, uh, this 400 years that God told Abraham that his people would be in bondage, in slavery for about 400 years, right? So check it out. Genesis 15:13. 13. Uh, this is a prophecy fulfilled. God spoke a word to Abraham. Abraham fell asleep. He was in a deep sleep. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. Okay, is that not the Exodus narrative right That is that not foretelling this is going to happen god can shoot a three-pointer or from from half court and call it glass it's in it's going to happen because he knows the beginning from the end all right and so the promise being fulfilled the the promise of abraham abraham's descendants growing and being fruitful and, and 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 yet there's this threat as pastor mike shared on last week last wednesday There's this continual tension through Genesis and and now here in Exodus between God promising something and then a threat to that promising being fulfilled, that promise being fulfilled. But how many of y'all know that God is bigger than any adversity, any king, any president, no matter how how many nuclear weapons they have and how great their nation is and and how many people are afraid of them? God can squash them like that. Uh, Egypt was a world power of the day and, and pharaoh they were afraid folks nations were afraid of egypt the egypt the israelites were were slaves there so so throughout the book of exodus there's this theme of oppression and slavery and god's deliverance he delivers people from slavery this book has influenced the texts like this have inspired folks like william wilberforce who fought for the the ending of Slavery, Martin Luther King and the civil rights movements, the, the, the the racism and the, these kind of texts right here have been key to shape Christians throughout history to face issues of injustice in their day. And so that's one of the big takeaways I think we need to see throughout the book of Exodus, that God is an almighty God, and he's a just and a loving God, and he executes justice and righteousness on those who are oppressed, Psalm 103 says. And so there's this oppression, there's this slavery, there is this killing of children. Okay, we have these these issues in our day, do we not? Abortion. We have human trafficking taking place. Uh, and, and the numbers are outrageous, and you and I could hardly believe it because maybe we haven't seen, it. it's all going on behind the scenes. It's stuff that we may not see on the surface, but there are, there are many current-day slaves, people that are treated like property, and it is wrong, and it grieves the heart of God. It angers God, and he sees, he knows he's going to do something about it. So everything was going good because we got Joseph, Joseph's prosperous in Egypt. And then there, there, a king arose of Egypt, a new king arose that didn't know Joseph. And, and he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are, are too many and they're too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Seems like there's maybe some fear there. These guys are going to get us if we don't get them. So let's get them. Let's take them out. Let's 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 deal with these immigrants because they're just too many filling up this place. They're taking over our country. Ship them out of here. That's Pharaoh's language. Okay. Um, therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict heavy burdens. They were oppressed, and they and the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. I love that. The more that they got oppressed, the more they, they just kept having babies and families and they just kept growing and Pharaoh just couldn't stop them. And then he's finally like, he tells the midwives, he says, kill all the males, kill all the males. And I love this. I love that the midwives, they, they don't, they fear God and they don't obey Pharaoh. There's a time when there is a time when it is legitimate not to obey those who are in authority over you when they are telling you to oppose the, the moral law of God, the ways of God, taking a human life is wrong. And these women feared God more than they feel, feared Pharaoh. And they didn't. They didn't kill the baby. So Pharaoh says, he tells his people, throw all the male boys of Egypt, of the Hebrews, in, of, in Egypt, throw them in the Nile. Chunk them in the Nile. Just so, so that's the kind of wickedness that was going on in the day. And who could stop it? Who could stop it? who could stand up and speak against this wicked, powerful leader of the world at this this time? God could God was the only one, and God chose a man named Moses to stand up against that wickedness. Talk about an intimidating job description that Moses had to fill, and he was he was insecure and he was he, he questioned, and it, it kind of upset God. God's like, hey, it's not about you, man. I made your mouth. Moses, I'm going to speak. So, so, so there's the problem. So every good story has a conflict, right? Every good story has a conflict. In Genesis, there was conflict. Exodus, there's, there's a conflict. There's a problem that needs to be resolved, okay? And good stories have a Savior, have, have a Redeemer, and there's a resolve, and there's a happily ever after, a good Ending that we're like yes yes that's how it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be like this killing babies is wrong oppressing people and treating them like objects is wrong and so that's the problem and that is a problem that is a problem that God saw he heard so through twenty five by the way this Sunday this upcoming Sunday is sanctity of sanctity of life Sunday and I'm just kind of wrestling with like. As far as the sermon on Sunday, and I'm just thinking, I, I, I may just want to camp out on Exodus 1 and just talk about this whole issue today of abortion, of modern day um, slavery that's going on today, human trafficking, so on. The devaluing of human life that's going on today in, in, on our watch. Okay, but listen to this. I love this. During those days... The king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They groaned, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God did something about it. He heard, he saw, he knew, he remembered the covenant. He made a promise with Abraham. And and, and there was a threat uh, coming against that. So here's here's three lessons from Chuck Swindoll and his study on, on Moses that we can take away from Exodus. Hard times don't erase God's promises. Harsh treatment doesn't escape God's notice. And heavy tests don't eclipse God's concern. I posted that quote on our Facebook page. If you want to share that with that scripture, you can share it straight from our page or just snap, take a snapshot. Okay, so here's the turning point. God, God intervenes. He sees, he hears, he knows, he remembers the covenant. And he, you know what he does? He chooses a man, a man named Moses. We got a Moses here today. We got a Moses here today. You know, I was thinking about you as I was preparing this. So Moses, the preparation of a leader. This is a whole sermon in and of itself. I mean, I, I'm just like, I, I'm biting off way more than I can, I can chew and I, that I can share tonight. But the, this, this interaction with God and Moses is really encouraging. It's, it's mysterious. I mean, God appears to Moses. God appeared to Abraham. God's the living God, and he can speak in various ways. But he just shows up in this brother's life. He shows up in the form of a burning bush. Moses. Moses. (laughs) And Moses, you know, he had been living years in obscurity. Uh, He left Egypt. He left the comforts and the riches of Egypt. He killed a guy. Pharaoh wanted to kill him was angry and he left and he's over he's like this shepherd boy now he's he you know ob- obscurity so he went from and by the way he was a very educated man he he was highly educated uh in Egypt he, so there he had a, he had a great criteria you know he could apply for a lot of great jobs out there with 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 his education background but he was he he was a shepherd his his um yeah, so anyways As he's in obscurity, as he's kind of, so he goes through this season of a desert season. And by the way, that is normal for every child of God, every saint to go through a time of testing and wilderness and desert time. Because it's in those times that God shapes us and he molds us where our dreams and our hopes and our, our, our passions aren't being lived out like we think they should be. And God is just working in us something deeper than we can even see. Just like we talked about on Sunday with with Joseph. okay? God is working through all that. So God preserves Moses. Moses' mom hid him for three months. And then she put him in a little boat in the Nile. All right. And Moses gets adopted. God in his providence. We can preach a sermon on the providence of God in Moses' life. His mom just by faith. You know, Lord, protect this little baby in the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter sees him, takes him in, adopts him. He, and he gets he lives with royalty. He's living it up for royalty and, and royalty. And later on, he, he forsakes it all because he knows that that God has something greater for him in this life than to just live in comfort while his people are being oppressed. And murdered and and treated terrible. God preserved him, God prepared him, and God called him to be an instrument for deliverance and justice. God would use Moses to deliver his people. Amen? That's only the third point. I have 10 points here. Okay, the Pharaoh's resistance. So then we got, we got Pharaoh resisting and this hardness of heart. And this is, this is very profound here. And this is something to wrestle with as you think about providence and the human responsibility or the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. This is something that the Apostle Paul points to in Romans, in Romans 9. Um, that, that, you know, God, God's, he's bigger than just human choices. And he can take a Pharaoh and use him. You know, some some vessels for noble use, as Second Timothy says, and some for un-noble un- use, un noble use. Vessels of wrath, Paul uses this language, Romans 9, vessels of wrath, vessels of mercy. Pharaoh was a vessel of wrath that God poured out his wrath to display his power and bring deliverance. Um, yet Pharaoh was responsible for the hardness of his own heart. I mean, God... God, God hardened his heart, but then he also hardened his own heart. Uh, God knew that he would be resistant and hard towards, um, towards the command to let my people go, that they may worship me, uh, that they may serve me. So Pharaoh's, one of his responses in chapter five was, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord. That's right, buddy. You don't know the Lord. Moreover, I will not let Israel go. But, God is gonna make known who he is in opposing Pharaoh, and he's gonna squash all all his gods, everything he hoped in, all the riches and the power and the might and the prestige of Egypt and Pharaoh, and he was gonna squash it. God humbles the proud, he brings the the, the lofty and the pro, the pride of men down low and he lifts the the humble. He lifts the lowly out of the ash heaps, the scripture says. Okay, so here's the battle. So it's, it's God, round one, water turns into blood. Okay? Round two, frogs all over. Okay? Round three, gnats and lice. Round four, flies. Okay? Round five, diseased livestock. Now, just think about this a second. You ever been camping or, okay, here in Texas, we got bugs. We got mosquitoes. We got, we, we know we know how uncomfortable it is to be surrounded by bugs or to be walking or riding your bike and get a mouthful of gnats in your mouth. That's White Rock Lake for you. Get a mouth and them sticking, you're sweating and they're just sticking to your head as you're riding around White Rock and you got to keep your mouth closed because you're going to get gnats and bugs in your mouth. That's Texas. Texas for you in the summertime. All right. So they were, God, God was just, he, he was bringing judgment. On Egypt, on Pharaoh in Egypt, because of Pharaoh's hardness and wickedness. And each one of the plagues uh, were, were an attack on the, the, the gods of the Egyptians. Each one of them were an attack on the gods of the Egyptians. Okay, so you worship this god, boom. And, and, and each one of them uh, challenged one of their, their false gods. Round six, uh, boils. Round seven, hail and fire. Round eight, locusts, swarms of locusts. Uh, round nine, darkness. Okay, now if I were you if, you, if we were living in Egypt, we'd be like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going, I'm going to, um, where am I going to? I'm going to Saudi Arabia. I'm going to somewhere else. I'm getting out of Egypt because there's some crazy stuff going on in this place. And and I love this. I love one of the things I love about the statements made in here. As these things were happening, that in the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were, the plagues like it was like they were in this little bubble. Like God was shielding His people and protecting His people. Isn't that cool? Isn't that really cool? God can bring judgment on our enemies and protect us at the same time. We can be surrounded by chaos. A hurricane of chaos, of plagues, and be in the, the, the eye of the storm and just be untouched. Amen. But, you know, Pharaoh made things harder for him. He was upset. He, he took away the straw from the bricks and he just, he worked them. He worked them and it was, he made life bitter for them. It was hard. Yet God had one more. Round 10. All right, here he goes. Round 10, the death of the firstborn son. Okay. All right, Pharaoh, you want to kill all of the Israelite little boys? All right. God tells the Israelites to take, kill the lamb. Okay. This is the Passover. Okay. This goes into the Passover. He, te- he tells them to kill a lamb and put it over the doorpost of your house. And every house that doesn't have the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, the, the, the angel of death would come in and, and kill every male child that seems harsh but you got you got to look at pharaoh how many chances were given how many how many times god told pharaoh let my people go i ain't playing with you pharaoh i ain't playing with you this is real stuff and so god unleashes his power he unleashes his judgment on sin he is a holy and a just god and he will punish those who persist in wickedness and he does so in, in righteousness and justice okay he has the right, as God Almighty, he has the right to do that. Yet he's still gracious and compassionate, and he gives us opportunities to repent. Okay, so the Passover, this is, this is beautiful. This was, this was the last round there. And then finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, go for it. So they go. Uh, by the way, 1 Corinthians 5 says that Christ is our Passover lamb, and he's been sacrificed for us. This is in the context of Christians living holy lives, not living in sexual morality. But because Christ has become our Passover lamb and we've been delivered, we should live our lives in an honorable way before God. Amen. OK, so there's a lot of New Testament parallels here. So the, the parting of the Red Sea, that's something that that's that's connected with um, our own salvation in Christ Jesus. God delivers us from sin and from Satan from the power of Pharaoh and gives us freedom and new life. Amen? So, so Pharaohs, they're, they're, they come to the edge of the Red Sea and it's like, what do we do now? How many of y'all have seen Prince of Egypt or you've seen the Ten Commandments? Okay. What do we do now? You know? Here's, here's the army coming. It's, it's just a great story, isn't it? It's just a great story. And God... This is what Moses said to the people: Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. You only know, have to don't don't pull out your, you know, your hammer or whatever. Just let let me take care of this. And 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 sure enough. They walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. This is a miracle. This is crazy. I mean, this is crazy. Could you imagine walking through the Red Sea? You see it happening. I mean, it, it opens up, and then you you got your family. You're getting your kids. You're like, let's go, honey. Let's go. We're free. Let's get out of here because uh, Egypt's coming right now. The army's coming. Let's go. And so so they they make it through. God delivers them. What an awesome miracle. What great power and glory that is put on display. What a great salvation the Israelites experience, And what a great salvation you and I experience in Christ Jesus. Our salvation in Christ Jesus is just as great. He has delivered us miraculously. He has conquered the grave for you and me. And our sin has been buried and washed away. Amen. We get baptized as Christians, we get baptized, okay? Right? In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, we get baptized. And just like our old life of being slaves in Egypt, slaves to sin, was buried. Pharaoh and his army were wiped out. See, our old life of sin, we've been crucified with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, and then we get this newness of life that we are to walk in. There's this promised land, this good land, this good life that God has for us to live here and now. Amen. So they're praising the Lord. They pull out the tambourines. They start singing, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song, saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. He's a mighty warrior. He's a man of war. The Lord is his name. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. You have led us in your steadfast love, the people whom you have redeemed. That's just a snippet of the song. That's a good song, right? They're praising God. they They are rejoicing on the other side of the Red Sea. It'd be nice if they were singing like that on the on, on the front end. <laughs> God, you can do it. You you brought the ten plagues. You took out Pharaoh with ten rounds, and you knocked him out. You got him, and well, and this was this was the this was the TKO right here. Boom, he's out. But then shortly after that, they didn't have any food. They were hungry. They got a bellyache, and they started grumbling. They started complaining. They went from being happy, praising the Lord, to being like, Moses, why did you bring us out here to kill us? We are hungry. There ain't no Burger King out here. You know, and, and, and it, this, is, this is baffling to me how human nature can do this. How we can get so blessed by God, our creator, our loving father, and then just turn around and complain like a little brat. It's amazing to me. Isn't that amazing to you? But you know what? That's you and I too. We do the same. We've done the same thing. Don't lie. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, don't lie. You have had, you've been driving down the road and you you get this snotty, you know, little attitude or whatever and get upset or, you know, you maybe you feel a cuss word rising up within you every once in a while, you know. Okay, that's the flesh and we must put that to death and not let it reign in us. Amen. Okay, so... God provides for them. He, he provides bread from heaven okay that 's a miracle like he 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 causes bread to come down, manna to come down from heaven. He gives them food, but they they complained instead of asking nicely. We have to teach our kids to do this. Just ask us what you want nicely okay you don't have to whine until you get it ah, ah. i mean it's our kids are are just like us in some ways we just we're more we're more slick and discreet with our attitudes and how we do it. We're more passive-aggressive in our grumbling and complaining to God and one another. Okay, we're going to talk about that in our discussion groups here in just a few minutes. Um, and then, so lastly, <clears throat> the provision of water from a rock. Uh, so they were thirsty. God, we're thirsty. Get us some water. They they have water back in Egypt. They got no the water here. Water, yeah, okay. So so they complained. Now, notice the contrast between Moses and the, the Israelites. They complained. When times got tough, they complained. Moses cried out. They tempted God. God, where are you? Moses trusted God. See, Moses had that tight relationship with the Lord. He knew God's name. He knew his character. He cried out to him. He trusted him. He interceded for these guys. I think Moses is an awesome leader. Uh, but then we also have some 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 areas too rec- recorded where he, he failed as well. But so lastly, right here, so Exodus chapter eighteen, so Moses they're, they're Moses is trying to do everything himself. This speaks to me, by the way. Like as a pastor or a leader, uh, I can relate to this. Moses was trying to do everything by himself, like help everybody. I mean, he probably has a million plus people, Israelites, and they're all coming to him. OK, there was not. So so Moses was doing it all. And so he had a father in law who had some really good advice for him, prudent and wise advice. And this is what he said. He said, look for able men who, from all the people who fear God, who are trustworthy and they hate a bribe. And place such men over people as chiefs of thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter that they shall bring, every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you, you will be able to endure, and all this, the people, they'll go home in peace. They'll be peaceful, okay? So I, I'm going to stop there. So those are the, the ten scenes that I wanted us to look at, and we have discussion questions, seven discussion questions. We don't have to get through all those, uh, and let's go deep. Let's, let's be real with one another. Let's share our hearts. Let's pray for one another. If you're going through a hard time, open up and share with your group. Let's pray for one another.